Why do 90% of startups fail? Some of it's luck or unexpected market conditions, but the harsh reality is that many brands fail because they don't deserve to win. If your brand is to succeed in the market, it needs to solve a deserving problem for your target customers. But what does that mean? Today, we'll talk with Lean Lab CEO Chris Dubois about his five-step model for determining whether your brand is solving a deserving problem. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high-growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now, we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I'm your host, Mallory Kuhn, growth marketer at Lean Labs. I'm joined today by Chris Dubois, CEO of Lean Labs. And today we're going to cover Chris's five-step prism model for deserving problems. Um, So before we dive into the model, uh, let's cover some baselines. So Chris, is deserving, having a deserving problem, is that the only thing that you need to worry about when it comes to deserving to win as a brand? Simple answer, no. All right, next question. (laughs) Uh, no, it's not. There's there are so many other variables. This is just one one thing that's going to make your life a lot easier uh, for your marketing, for your sales, for everything, because you have a problem that's actually worth solving. Um, something. So I, I like this comparison. When I was in the army, I had some of my soldiers would come to me with what they thought was a problem, um, but usually there's a really simple solution, and they just didn't see it right away. And so I would just kind of coach them, get them on track for that solution. They would go off, they would solve it, be good to go. Uh, but when you get into business, right, if someone's bringing you a problem, there's actually a really simple solution that they could be using instead. And you're like, oh, well, actually pay me a lot for this. At right. some point, they're going to realize there's a simple solution because their problem isn't that big. And they're going to get really bitter with you. You're probably going to get some bad reviews. And you're not going to be able to, you know, kind of build up the reputation you need to be this just massive um, company. So it's it's not the only variable that's important, but it is super critical um, that you have a deserving problem. So what inspired you when you're thinking about deserving problems and deserving to win and, you know, helping brands get there and, mm-hmm. and position themselves as strongly as possible? What inspired you to create this model, the PRISM model for that? So here at Lean Labs, we want to work with 10 deserving brands. And that's, we have 10 brands at a time. They're on our 10X growth plan. We might have, you know, we'll have some on the wait list or that, some that we're marketing for. Um, but we really only want to work with 10. And those 10 brands, we want to make sure they're deserving brands. So like, because we want to enjoy working with them. We want something to market. You know, we want, we want it to be fun. We don't just want to be... <sighs> You know, we want to work with something that's providing um, an innovative solution. Like it's not, we're not selling t-shirts here or like selling coffee. No disrespect to anyone starting a business in those regards, but there are plenty of other companies doing it, right? Um, Like what differentiates your toothbrush from someone else's toothbrush? It's not exciting. Um, Again, no offense to those who are toothbrush (laughs) connoisseurs. Um, But so we started talking through, right? If we want to work with a deserving brand, what constitutes deserving? And one of one of those variables is the deserving problem. And so I started just listing out what are all the things that would make up a deserving problem. And then we package it into a an acronym because they're way easier to remember. Uh, and right. more fun. And uh, there, 
now we have it. So now if we're looking at company coming in, we can say, okay, are they a deserving brand? And we have our little checklist and we can kind of walk through, um, well, number one, do they solve a deserving problem? And then we can talk about that. And so it makes it a lot easier for us and it can potentially help people by just knowing what this model is and being able to run their own company through it. So. Right. So that's what we're going to talk about today uh, is kind of diving into what the PRISM model is, what our acronym stands for with this. Um, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit uh, about some details that can help uh, the listeners walk their own brand uh, or a brand they might want to work with right through this same model um, just to, to determine, see if it fits uh, all the categories. So let's start real basic and we won't go into the, de- we'll go into the details in a second, but just high level what does PRISM, what does it stand for? What's the acronym? Right. So the PRISM model for a deserving problem stands for basically their questions, right? You need to ask if, is it painful, recurring, impactful, solvable, marketable? All those letters spell PRISM, given the acronym. Cool. Uh, and you just walk through those. So yeah. let's walk through them. Let's walk through them, right? Let's take a look at each one. So <laughs> painful. Is it painful? Um, how can you determine uh, if a problem is painful or rather like painful enough, right? Like what constitutes painful? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> man, there's a lot of ways to look at this one, right? Because you can have, <clears throat> you can either be like the pain reliever or the vitamin, right? Are we actually solving a problem that like it's bugging people, right? Or is this something that, yeah, it'd be nice if we could get this done. Uh, it's kind of important. Like all of these are on a spectrum. And so like somewhere on the spectrum dictates how painful this problem is actually going to be. Right. Do we have something that's like, <clears throat> I mean, you can brush it off or is this like a hair on fire problem? Um, and really it's going to come down. Every individual is going to look at this problem differently. And so you kind of have to look at the market as a whole and say, how is this problem viewed in general? <clears throat> um, and then work from there. Right. You can get a pretty good idea of how painful a problem is just by talking to people and like they will tell you how painful it is for them. So. Right. Right. So market or like researching your market, talking to your customers, your existing customers or people that would be in your ideal market might be a great way to figure out if it's painful enough. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, awesome. So let's move on to our uh, recurring. So obviously this refers to how often are they struggling with this pain? Right. Um, yeah. How often would you say a problem needs to recur for it to be quote unquote deserving problem? Yeah. So it depends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the best answer for everything. Everyone's favorite so answer. <laughs> the, the frequency of the problem will often dictate how important this is. Right. And so there's certain things like running payroll for your company could be a biweekly, could be a weekly thing. Right. Um, sending communications to your team could be a daily problem. Um, you could also have something that's just like an annual, like <clears throat> doing our taxes, right? It's a once a year thing. We're going to deal with that. So how important is it to us that we actually solve this? Um, right. So yeah. does this, I think that this kind of brings up the topic of how the the letters or the elements of the prison model might intersect with each other. So you know, does it intersect with the painful, do you think? So if a problem is less painful, might it need to be more recurring uh, to be deserving? So, yeah. So all of these, again, they're all on a spectrum and you don't need to be like perfect at the far end of each one of these in order for it to work. Where (laughs) if something is not very painful, but it's happening every day, 
it's like being tortured with a drop of water, right? Eventually it's just, it's going to break you down. Like, cause you're going to be so annoyed that you just always right. have to deal with it. Even if it isn't that big of a deal versus, you know, if you get something that is super frequent and it's super painful, it's like someone's going to pay a lot of money for you to solve that problem. And so you can see it right here, whether I can do it now, if it's not frequent and not painful, it's going to be really hard to be able to build product and service that people actually want. Right. And so, so yeah, comparing all of these, um, you know, these different segments of the, the prism model, um, you can kind of combine them. You can, you can separate them individually as well as you see with like, whether it's solvable, marketable. Um, but yeah, you can, they all play together on the spectrum. So yeah, they all combine. Right. So let's move on to I impactful. Um, I think that there there's a lot of different ways you could read that. So in your mind, what does how does what does impactful mean in this model in this context? How are you viewing that? Yeah. So this problem, if we were to solve it, what what would the impact be for the business, right? Because we're talking B two B with this this model, and so <clears throat> having certain uh, there's certain elements, right? If I'm having a problem around my sales team. Right, that can potentially impact other areas of my business. Now, revenue is going to be hurting. Maybe my marketing team isn't getting what they need from sales. And so if I can figure out how to help this one sales problem, other areas of my business will now benefit. And so the ROI isn't just on solving this one problem, but there's actually multiple areas that we can benefit from. And then solvable. This one I feel like feels uh, mm. kind of self-explanatory, right? You can't try to solve a problem that can't be solved. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but what what are the consequences of doing that? Right. So say you're offering a pie in the sky solution. Um, you know, obviously, what are the what are the downsides <laughs> with that? Yeah. So this is like this is the one um, portion of this model that's that's more binary. Right. Where something's either solvable or it's not. However, right. there is like a how solvable kind of question that you can still ask. Right. If we're uh, if we're talking. And the, the U.S. tax code, right? I can't necessarily solve whatever the problem is, <laughs> but there might be a workaround that we have, right? And like we can go petition Congress. Um, there's there's something that we can do in order to still right. get the solution there. But for most things, it's either going to be, yes, we can actually solve this or not. If you can't solve it, then you don't have a business. And so don't, <laughs> right. don't bother. So uh, don't bother. Yeah. All right. There you go. Uh, and then lastly, marketable. So um, how can you determine where your solution fits on the spectrum of marketable? So like, is it, is it a downside then to address a small niche or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So when you're looking at marketable, we're talking the total addressable market because we want to know how many people actually have this problem that we can potentially serve, right? If we have a super small market segment, um, and, and it's not very painful or it's not very frequent, right? We have other, other concerns here then we're probably not going to be able to create a sustainable business. Uh, and so, we, because ideally you want profitable customer acquisition, right? We want to be able to, whatever we're putting into our marketing budget is coming back. We're making that money in revenue and now everything's paying for itself. We're, we can just keep growing. Um, if you have too small of a market, you might not be able to do that. And so being able to look at, can we actually solve this problem? Um, and then there's, there's some other bits you would have to look at, right? Are there regulations around this that, influence how we're actually able to talk about the the product service uh, 
because those things will impact how marketable it actually is. If I can't reach an audience because I can't say certain things, um, even if it's the things that they're actually feeling and talking about, right? Uh, then it's going to be a struggle to actually get something out of it. Right. Like more of an uphill battle than, than maybe is worth it. Um, awesome. So those are the five <clears throat> elements. Um, how do they all fit together? Like, do you have to have all five for your problem to be considered mm-hmm. deserving? Like say you have four out of the five, but you're missing, you know, the impact. Uh, does that mean you don't have a deserving problem? Right. doesn't necessarily mean you don't. It just means things might be harder for you. Um, in a perfect world, right? You're, you're really high on every side of these, um, these elements on that spectrum. Um, the further along <laughs> for all of those you are, one, the more you can probably charge for your service, the more people who are actually looking for this service. Um, and so you have like the, the perfect scenario for starting a business, right? Like everybody needs this. I can offer it. Let's do it. Um, otherwise, you got to kind of look at it's, it's subjective to an extent where, you know, you have to look at each metric and say, if this isn't very painful, it's not very frequent, but it could be super impactful to the business. Right. It could solve a lot of other problems, even if this main main problem is just like okay to help with. Um, you gotta play it by ear. But what's nice about the model is that even if things don't necessarily fit with everywhere, you've gone through this kind of practice of of walking through every step. And so now you can be more deliberate in how you set up your solution. And so, you know, you're not leaving as many things to chance as you uh, you kick off. All right. So I am an example-based learner. Let's see. I mean, I would imagine maybe some of our listeners are too. So let's walk through an example. Do you have um, like a, maybe a more well-known brand or just one that's a really good example um, of a brand that is solving a deserving problem? And like, let's walk through each of our elements of the model and show how they fit it. Sure. So good example would be Slack, right? So company most people are familiar with at this point. So the remote nature of society. Um, (laughs) Slack stood against email. They chose that as their villain. And so they were saying, hey, you know, you send all these emails out every day for your business. You got 20 people CC'd on this thread. Oh, hey, look, we forgot to add Bill to this one. So now he's only getting back in four emails down the road. He wasn't able to provide inputs. I could have stopped us from making a mistake later. Right. It just there's there's chaos with email. So Slack said, hey, let us create a different solution. You can still work asynchronously, um, but everybody has visibility and everything that's going on, right? So the pain we're looking at is this email, the cost of, if you if you do have an issue just because of something simple where someone wasn't CC'd on a thread, right? Or it's taken three, three days in order to get a response and you don't know if they even read the email or something. Um, these things can be pretty painful for your business, right? right? Ineffective like can communication can be hugely detrimental yeah right um and so it is a a painful experience um now when we get to recurring right people were sending emails every day so this is something that could be super frequent it's going to change not every email is like a, a the most critical email um and so so it's not like this painful outcome is happening every single day but it could happen every single day and so there is the potential to, you know, to use that in your marketing. Um, and they have, and, uh, <clears throat> and so really the frequency is pretty high, right? Daily, right. Uh, hourly. 
uh, <laughs> freaking system. Now, when we talk impact, this is something that that impacts every part of your business, right? Every uh, fixing communication and giving yourself a streamlined system for communication within the business now helps every single department. It helps cross crosstalk between the departments. Um, I mean, it does everything. You can pull your vendors into certain Slack channels. So rather than you know just your some marketing manager or project manager talking to an outsourced team, like they can actually be brought into the conversation. Everyone can see what's going on. And so like the awareness within the company just goes up and you can start uh, ideating faster, creating faster. It's just a huge benefit to everybody. Right. You could even move to a more remote model, right? If you didn't have one initially, right? And then you have a wider pool of candidates you could choose from X, Y, Z. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Solvable. Obviously it is um, because Slack is a huge business at this point. (laughs) Um, But, but they did prove out, right. It is possible to, to break away from email. um, And you just have a system that basically pulls the same idea of email, but just does it on a much more um, refined or I don't even know what the right word is. Right. You can can see it. It's more frequent that you can actually access this. You can see everything all at once. There's no, jump in between email threads and everything. Like you have one view where you can get tagged. You can pull people in, pull people out. Even if I'm not tagged, I can see certain conversations um, as long as I'm in the right. channel. And so <clears throat> it makes it much easier for people to stay, stay in tune. Definitely solvable. Uh, then the marketable side, right? The addressable market is huge, right? There's millions and hundreds of millions of businesses and all of them could use Slack. And so, and even, you know, you can have nonprofits using Slack. You can have communities, personal groups, groups. like I have just personal group Slack channels. Yeah. Right. Like there is, I mean, really an unlimited market um, for Slack to be able to do this. And then they charge per user. um, Once I think once you hit purchase a, you know, workspace or whatever, and then it's per user after that. Um, Not sure all the details on their pricing, but. They have it set up where they can achieve profitable customer acquisition as well, because if there's almost a, like a network effect here, right? Where the more people using Slack, the better the, the system is for everybody, because now I don't have to train someone, onboard them onto a tool and show them how to use it. Everybody just knows how to use it. The more people, it's like the telephone, more people who have a phone in their home, the more people I can actually talk to. And so, right. so yeah, I think Slack is a great example of how the, you can use the Prism model to kind of vet out whether this problem is deserving. I love that. I love that. So now let's kind of talk more of like a a sad possible (laughs) situation that could come up, right? Let's say a listener is uh, attempting to solve a problem and realizing through listening that, ooh, maybe it doesn't fit the PRISM model. Um, what, What would you say? What advice would you give to someone who's realizing that they may not uh, have a deserving problem per this model. Yeah, just uh, just quit. No, that's a joke. Don't quit. Um, I don't believe. Don't it. quit. But uh, so if you don't have, you have to look at what the problem that you're trying to solve actually is. Right? There is potential to pivot. Um, you can also just make some minor tweaks in order to, to figure out what this problem should be. A lot of times, just educating your market on the problem and the way you view the problem can be enough to show them like, oh, this this is what I actually need to be aware of, right? You throw in like these pattern interrupts. A lot of people are coming to websites with their own like beliefs and their own thoughts around what they need for a solution. And 
through educating them because you're an expert in your field, you could actually show them, well, actually, this, this is the real problem that you need to fix. And if you're educating them, providing all the content and stuff to show them um, these things and prove it out, then, then you can actually get them to see the problem the way you see it. And now you're good. Um, right, because they may like be just describing a, the symptoms of a problem, right? And right. you know there's a deeper root. Yeah, exactly. Right, most people aren't talking about the actual problem. They're talking about the, th- the symptoms, the things that they're feeling um, as they face that problem. And so you can come in and say, hey, if you're facing these symptoms, this is your diagnosis, right? You need to play doctor and actually show them um, what's up. Um, there's also the risk, though, that you present a false problem by shaping that problem too much, right? We shouldn't like with marketing, we want people to see things a certain way. We want to change their beliefs around stuff, but we don't want to misguide people. And so you have to be careful about that. And so like, if you feel you like ethically, you are now changing the problem and molding it into a way that might be disingenuous, then I would recommend you just don't do that. Um, and you're just in given. problem territory at that point. <clears throat> right. Um, but the, if you imagine a, like a quadrant, right. You got like a vertical axis. Um, you have like clear problem at the top and then not so clear problem on the bottom. And then going left to right, you have like low pain to high pain. Now, if you have a very clear problem that's painful, right, it's so easy to market that, right? Because people are telling you like, I need this, like, give me a solution for this. And you know exactly what to say to that person. And so generally speaking, deserving problems will fit in that quadrant. And so it's, it's really simple to make your life becomes way easier because you can actually reach out to people knowing what they need. Um, there's also the challenge of understanding what people want first, what they need, right? I can't sell you necessarily something you need until you want it. Anyways, um, you might need like you need food, right? But you get to choose what type of food you're buying because it's what like, well, I want a burger right now, right? And that milkshake with it, um, (laughs) versus, Versus, well, really, I just need sustenance. Let me just go buy the cheapest thing. And so lots of variables there, right? It comes down to what matters to that person. Are they healthy? Are they not? Do they just want something quick? Do they want something super high quality? Um, <clears throat> but they still have a pain and you still have the ability to market to it. And so uh, figuring out if your problem is deserving and then going back to the original question, right? How, what do you do if you don't have a deserving problem? Right. I would, I would find a way to, within the same realm that you are already working in, find a way to position the problem so that you can, you can help. If you already have customers, go talk to them, see what their actual problems are, get the language that they're using to see, <clears throat> am I solving the actual problem here or am I solving more, just like a symptom? Because um, that's often the case as well. Um, man, I feel like there's like a tangent where I could just ramble on a bunch of like things I love like it. that. but. That's great because it's all yeah. so interconnected. Yeah, and it's not the end of the world. So you can always find find a different problem. Um, something <clears throat> fun. I think it's fun. Other people might not. Go to <laughs> failery.com. You can get all these stories of different um, companies, startups who have failed, right? And if you run them through the prism model, you can almost you can see for each one where they failed, like where they potentially could have caught it right from the start um, before they went in. Um, you know, there are some very, some other ones that a bigger competitor came in and knocked them out, out or right. whatever. Um, 
But for the most part, you can just walk through the prism model and say, oh, they're going to fail because this isn't a very recurring problem. It's not super painful. Um, and that should give you some insights into what you could be doing with your own, your own product service. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Chris, uh, and talking through this model. Uh, I hope that our listeners can take this model, apply it to their own businesses, and you know, take the steps to ensure they're positioning their brand around a problem that deserves to be solved. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and make sure you never miss an episode. And until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.